All right, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this time, this moment in time that you have allowed me to come and to participate with my other brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Father, I say as Paul said in the book of Ephesians chapter 1, he said to the faithful who are in Ephesus and in the, to those who are in Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. And Father, I say the same thing about those at AME, to the faithful who are here and to those who are in Christ Jesus. Realizing, Father, that some of us, Father, we're in Christ Jesus, but we're not faithful. We haven't been faithful to you. We haven't prayed. We haven't spoken to you, to you today. We haven't inquired from you what we should do. But Father, you said in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1 and 2, you said that your ear is not heavy that you can't hear, nor is your hand short that it can't reach us. But you said your sins and iniquities have separated us from you. And Father, we pray right now, we ask for your forgiveness. We not only ask for forgiveness, Father, but we also want to repent, which means to turn and come back to you. Because, Father, you taught your disciples, and as you taught us in Matthew chapter 5, you said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And it wasn't that you wanted us to be poor in this life materially, but you said poor in spirit. And we recognize, Father, that when we're poor in spirit without you, we're helpless. Father, we don't want to come here like the Pharisees, Father, who sat at your feet and didn't recognize you as the Messiah and that they needed you. Yes, Lord. They didn't even recognize that they were poor in spirit without the bread of life that was sent down from heaven. The one that was prophesied about in Isaiah who said he shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. And upon him, Father, you said that it would be the spirit of truth and wisdom. Father, I pray today, Father, that each and every family that's represented in this room. Father, I pray, Father, as my assignment for this time is rebuilding the family. And we're going to look at your servant, Nehemiah how he had to rebuild. Father, I pray that each and every man in this room today, Father, that after they leave this conference, after they go back to their homes, after they go back to their families, Father, that they will begin to rebuild. Father, I do not pray for emotionalism, but I pray for a spirit of urgency. I pray for a spirit of repentance upon their homes. Why? Because many children, many wives hate it. They hate men's conferences because a lot of times we come back full of zeal, but after two or three weeks it wears off and it's the same old song. But Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that a spirit of prayer will be upon each and every family representative. Father, I pray that a spirit of repentance, Father, Will rest, rule, and abide. I pray, Father, that the fire of the Holy Ghost, as it fell in the book of Acts, chapter 2, yes. will fall on the men. And, Father, I pray, as you did for Abraham, let it affect their children, their children's children, and their children's children to the thousandth generation. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus. Father, because you told us in your word that you are God, that you cannot lie. 
So if you cannot lie, I believe you can only tell the truth. If you say I'm healed, then I'm healed, and that's it. If you say that you can use me to rebuild my family, then that's just the way it is, because you are a God that cannot lie. Oh, Father, I thank you as Isaiah told us that the grass may fade and the flower may go away, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Father, I thank you, Father, for using not only the words of my mouth and thinking through my mind. Father, in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, Father, transform us. Let this message, Lord, reach out to communities and go around the world. Let it cause a revival in homes. Father, I pray that even the walls that have been torn down in the homes, in the community, in our minds, oh, that they will re be rebuilt. Oh, Father, I thank you. I thank you for giving us gladness for mourning. Oh, and joy for an exchange for a spirit of heaviness. I thank you right now for who you are. I praise you in advance for what you shall do in this house. Father, I thank you, Father, for teaching us how to walk by faith and not by sight. I thank you, Father, that you've even told us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, that it's impossible to please you without faith. Father, and then you begin to list an example of all of those men that you use. Noah, Gideon, Samson. Oh, Father, I know if you can do it for Samson, Father, you can do it for these people. Father, for although men may look at the outward appearance, you look at the heart. And I thank you, Father, right now for touching our hearts and touching our lives. Now, before I end, devil, I remind you that you are a defeated foe. And that no weapon that has been formed against these men shall be able to prosper. And in the name of Jesus, I decree and I declare that they are the righteousness of God. And that according to Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, that they shall renew their minds with the word of God. Father, I thank you that according to Joshua 1 and 8, Father, that they will meditate on your word to observe, to do all that is written therein. For you promised that then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and have good success. Good success for what? Well, good success to do what you've called them to do in their particular homes, in their particular lives. Father, I thank you for giving the men a divine assignment for their particular situation. Father, I didn't come to tell them what to do or what steps to take. I can't do that. I don't live in their house. But I know that you've given us the helper, the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Father, for the helper that will give them wisdom, will give them understanding, will give them knowledge, that will give them direction for their home. Father, I thank you in advance, Father, for your kingdom, Lord, being glorified in the earth because of their lives. And for the enemy going down in defeat, I arrest every decision of the devil that he has decreed against these families, that he has decreed against these men. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak from the heavenlies where we are encased in Christ Jesus, and where the earth is his footstool, devil, I speak to you and to all your workers in the earth realm, and I bind you and remind you that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Oh, Father, I pray that each and every one of us in here will say yes to your will and not 
not our will. Let us pray every day. Let your will be done and not our will. I decree it. Amen and amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, my assignment for today is the rebuilding of the family. And that's uh, Nehemiah. That's the text I'll be at. Chapter 4. Rebuilding the family. Nehemiah chapter 4. And I'm going to ask my reader to start reading. And I'll let you know where. Make sure you have your Bibles with you. I always say that, and someone asked me once, well, why do you say that? Well, one of the reasons, and I don't know if you know this, but there is a, a scheme that has already been started, and that is to get rid of books. Does anyone know that? They want to make everything electronically now, okay? And I was talking with uh, someone not too long ago about that, and I said, well, do you realize if I can get rid of all of the books. I can control what you read. I can control what you see if I make everything electronically. And one of the things is, and there's nothing wrong with electronics, don't get me wrong, but it is very important that we as men of God, and even if you know someone who's not a man of God, but it's very important that you do something, especially in the church, as Paul told Timothy to do in 2 Timothy 2.15. He told them to study to show yourself approved unto God. The problem is I've learned uh, being in ministry is a lot of times we don't study, we just read. And there's a big difference between reading and studying. See, a lot of times in our homes, we read our spouses, but we never studied them. Oh, big difference. Amen. See, when I study my spouse, then I'll know um, her weaknesses, her fears, what she likes, her love languages. See, I, I begin to know that. What ticks her off? What makes her excited? What does not? What saddens her? See, that, that's husband and wife. And even if you're in this room, is there anyone in this room who's single? Okay. See, if you're single, see, that's one of the things also, and really one of the commands that God gives husbands to do. There's really two commands for husbands. What? One, study to show yourself approved unto God. Second, live with your wife or study her according to knowledge. Now, if you've mastered those, great. Now, if you are single, one of the things that I often tell young men this, your first priority is you need to be developing your relationship with the Father God. Amen. Okay, you do that again. I do that by studying. I do that by fellowship with other brothers where I have mentoring slash discipleship relationships that causes me to grow. How do I know that's going to cause me to grow? Proverbs 27, 17 says this, iron sharpens iron. So what does that mean? By me rubbing up against you, that does not mean there will not be any sparks. And sometimes there needs to be sparks to get me moving. And that could be spiritually, soulishly, or even with my physical body. I have a friend who I meet with sometimes in the gym, and his pushing on me has sparked me. And that is something that I need. 
So if you're going to grow, one, you need to have multiple layers of relationships where you are talking to people every day who challenge you. What challenge you for the good. I'm not talking about the ones who are trying to tempt you to sin. I said, but who challenged you? Because see, first of all, you're learning a lot about who you are, the people you avoid. Does that help anybody? I didn't say the people you hang out with. I said the ones you avoid. Okay, it's a big difference. There was a story of a, I want to tell you, there was a story of a man uh, one day. He was at the cemetery and he was crying at a, at a tombstone. And, I mean, he was, ooh, the man was really crying really hard. He was bawling and bawling and bawling. And the yard keeper saw the man, and he came up to the man, and he asked the man, he said, um, man, well, what's wrong? I mean, what's wrong? And he just heard the man kept saying one word. The man kept saying over and over, he said, why did you have to die? Why, why, why did you have to die? And the gravekeeper said, well, who is it, man? Is it your father? That your... He said, no, no, it's not my father. And he kept bawling, why? Was it your brother? Said, no, no, it's not my brother. Said, well, man, who is it? He said, it's my wife's first husband. It's a joke, guys. It's a joke. He was having problems in his home and his wife's first husband had died. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever felt like this. <laughs> All right, it's a joke. Y'all gotta lighten up. Y'all gotta lighten up. <laughs> All right, let's, let's get serious. Let's get serious here. <laughs> Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 4. Um. Now, our theme is chapter 4, verses 5 through 7, okay? I'm going to ask my reader, can you start from verse 1 and read down to verse 7? And then I'm going to dig into some deeper truths. I'll tell you this now. I'm not going to leave Nehemiah, okay? This is my assignment, the rebuilding of the family, okay? So can you start reading, please, nice and loud? But it came to pass that when Sambalot heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble what do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Okay, he's asking a question. Keep going. Will they sacrifice? Mm -hmm. Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish he's which are burned? Keep going. Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. Okay. Hear, O our God, for we are despised, and turn their reproach upon their own head, and give them for a prey in the land of captivity. And cover not their iniquity, and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee, for they have provoked thee to anger before the building. Okay, read verse 6 and stop at the end of verse 6. So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof. 
For the people had a mind to work. Okay, for the people had a mind to work. Now turn to Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1. Now we're talking about rebuilding families. Okay, and I'm just laying the foundation of the scripture. And it's right in line with the thing in my assignment. Now, you just heard where they're building the walls. Nehemiah, they're building the walls. And you heard the the backlash, the mockery. Did everyone hear that? Yeah. The different questions, questioning what they're doing. Okay, when I begin to study this, I'm going to show you what I found. Nehemiah chapter 1. Because I asked this question. I do a lot of question asking when I'm studying. And one of the questions I ask is this here. And if you're taking notes, you should write this down for your family. We're talking about rebuilding the family. How did we get here? Writing the question, how did we get here? Now, that's the question you need to ask, one, yourself, and also you need to ask God. If you're having hell going on in your house, in your home, you need to ask, okay, well, Lord, how did we get here? I came to a men's retreat. We're talking about, now, this workshop is rebuilding the family, so I want to rebuild my family, yes. But before I can rebuild anything, I need to find out how I got here. Because, see, if I don't know how I got here, I may be repeating what got me here and what's going to keep me here and what's going to get worse. All right, so Nehemiah chapter 1. Can you read at verse 1? I want to show you something about Nehemiah. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Okay. And it came to pass in the month of Chislu, in the 20th year, as I was in... Now, this is Nehemiah talking. He says, okay, now it came to pass, he gave you a time of year of something that happened in his life. Keep reading. That Hanani, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah. Okay, so it says one of his brethren. Okay, Nehemiah was a Jew. So one of his brethren would be Jewish. Now, today, if this room was filled with black, white, Hispanic, Oriental, whatever, and we were all believers, I would say the same thing. My brother. Okay, because in Christ, there's no color line. Okay, maybe in our minds, maybe the way we've been raised in society, there is. But in the body of Christ, according to God, and in God's view, there is no color line. Okay, so he's telling us, Nehemiah says, hey, I saw one of my brothers. Keep reading, what happened? said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction. Okay. Keep reading. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down. So he's giving him a report. He says those who were left back in Jerusalem and the reason why he said back in Jerusalem because where they were talking at they were in a place called Babylon. What had happened was Israel had been scattered and taken into captivity because they kept disobeying God. God sent the prophets to say this here. Look, if you keep sinning, I'm going to scatter you. You'll be taken into captivity. You'll be slaves to other people. So you'll be slaves to your enemies. It's the same thing he says to us. You, okay, I'm giving you grace. You keep going to those porn sites right after the morning service. I'm giving you grace. Grace for what? To get your act together. Okay, so when judgment comes... You know why it came. Now you have a choice. Either you'll repent or you'll stay a slave to whatever it is. So the choice is up to you. See, God loves you and respects you that much. Well, he'll let you make your own decision. He let Adam and Eve do it. 
So he has to change. He'll let you make your own decision. He told a man in the, in the book of Genesis by the name of Noah, he said, it's going to rain. I want you to go build me an ark. Noah starts building the ark, warns the people, and none of them believe him. They made a decision never to come into the boat. Does anyone know how long Noah was warning the people? Does anyone know how long? 126 years. Over 100 years. Yeah, God, so don't tell me he doesn't extend his hand of mercy. So Nehemiah asked the question here. He says, well, how are my people going back home? And he's getting a report. The walls are torn down. It's just like if I asked you as my brother, well, how's, how's the brother doing back at thing? Man, people aren't speaking to each other. The men won't come out to mentoring because they feel as though they've grown and they know this already. You have a men's retreat, you got to beg people to come. We saying we want to take the city for God, and I'm not even praying. So Nehemiah is just hearing the report. Keep going. And the gates thereof are burned with fire. Okay, keep going. And it came to pass when I heard these words. That Listen closely. Now, Nehemiah says, when I heard this. Now, if you're taking notes, he did five things. And these are the things you should do for your family. Keep reading. That I sat down. Number one, I sat down. Keep going. And I cried about it because it was a crying shame to me. And mourned certain days. Okay, I mourned over this thing. And fasted. Okay, number four. And prayed before And God then I prayed fasted. before God. Number five. Now, go to the last verse. Because the Holy Spirit wants me to go back. Go to the last verse of that chapter. So you just saw Nehemiah did five things. So if you want your family to be rebuilt, you need to do those five things. I need to sit down and ask, how did I get here, Lord? How did we get here? Because, see, this isn't funny. I'm not happy with what I see. He said he mourned over it. He didn't say, well, that, hey, that ain't my problem. That's theirs. Yeah, we may have grown up poor, but, hey, they got theirs to get. I got mine. See, this is the man showing leadership about people, his people. Because the next verse we're going to read is going to tell you something else about him. Read the last, read the last verse. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant, and to the prayer of thy servants. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Um... Yeah, yeah, I said that. Go back to everyone, Nehemiah chapter one. Because I, I, I can't, I can't let this go past. Read verse five. Now this is what Nehemiah said after he did those five things. And said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God. So he's praying now to God. Notice his first response to what he had just heard. Now he's praying, and you're getting to hear what he prayed. What did he say? Okay, he says, Lord, I'm inquiring of you. If you want to see your family rebuilt, first thing you need to do is require of God. How do I require of God? I get on my knees. I begin to pray or learn how to pray. What do I mean learn how to pray? Screaming and yelling 
may be a great emotional release, but it's the word of God that moves him. You don't believe me? Read what Hezekiah did when he told he, when he was told that he was going to die. The Bible says that he turned his face to the wall and prayed. You don't believe prayer moves God? Read what Joshua did when they were fighting.